You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. But anyway, uh, just to let you know, um, uh, Pastor Andy had asked me a few weeks ago if I wanted to share. And of course, it was the end of church. I was all excited. I was like, yeah, I'd love to, you know. And uh, so I got home and I thought, oh my gosh, what have you done? I had been going through the worst ever bout of anxiety and depression. I, have, I shouldn't say ever, but it was one of the worst. And I sat there and I was like, I'm going to have to tell him. I can't do this. I just can't, you know. And so he asked me a little bit closer in. He goes, oh, are you okay? You know, we're good for Sunday. And I was like, yeah. And the very, I think it was, I don't know if it's the night before or night after, but anyway, I had a breakthrough. And I said, I still don't, Lord, you still hadn't told me what I'm going to speak on. And he says, you're going to speak on where you've been. And that's what I'm doing. We share out of the places that we've been. Because that's where God gives power. If I stood up here and told you I had it all together, first of all, I'd be lying big time. But second of all, would you really want to hear from me? Because you wouldn't believe it. Everybody struggles. Everybody has need. We are in a broken world. And the thing that God wants us to do the most is to let him use the places in us that are so broken and so messed up. Because when he can use you in that, then he is awesome. His power is awesome. I could talk about this subject all day long and and it mean nothing to you. But when the power of God hits it in your life, it's different. And I was thinking the other day, I was like, you know, Lord, I have struggled so much ever since I've been young. I, I, I've had this struggle with uh, performance and, you know, trying to do everything right and all that. And, you know, you just can't do it. We're, we're not made that way. We are made to uh, use where we are to help other people. That's what God wants us to do. The thing the enemy wants to do is to shut your mouth. And he was trying to shut mine big time. He told me everything from no one wants to hear from you, you've been worrying all week, you know, what kind of a Christian are you? He tore me up. And all of a sudden, one day I was reading my Jesus Calling. When I get to work, I read my little Jesus Calling. And I had been like fretting and worrying and just, I mean, I have anxiety sometimes, but I mean, this was like full on. And I was like, what are you doing, Lord? I'm... I'm lost here, not without you, but I need help. What are you telling me? And he was showing me that he was going to use what is broken in me to help someone else. Because I'm not alone without him. And as I opened my Jesus Calling book, it was talking about the wolves of worry. Well, three nights before that, I had a dream. And I dreamed, and it was, I know it was from the Lord because I wasn't afraid. I would have normally been afraid, but I wasn't. So I knew the Lord was speaking to me. And I was running because some, something or someone was pursuing me, and I didn't know what it was. I was like all, you know, running and everything. And finally, I thought, I want to see what's behind me. So it was like I was in one of those movies, like, you know, a Stonehenge type thing. And I got into this craggy rock, you know, and I watched. And all of a sudden, the moon shined down on this, like, a little circle. And this pack of wolves came running by. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's what was after me. And they were the wolves 
of worry. And we might think, you know, worry is not that, you know, it's okay. It's not that harmful. Let me tell you something. It can shut you down. You can worry yourself into a big, fat panic attack. Then you got other problems. So today, I want to talk to you about the wolves of worry. And I'm hoping I can really see this. Okay. First of all, we're going to talk about the definition of worry. And I italicized some of these um, words. I'm going to have to get glasses. I'm so sorry. I was hoping it would be on the big screen, but it's not. Um, But I italicized some of the words because they are the ones that stuck out to me. It says, to give way to anxiety or unease, to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulties or troubles. That is in the verb form. So it's to give way. When you give way, who's doing the giving way? I am. Um, When I allow something, who's allowing it? Me. And when I I start dwelling on something, who's doing that? It all begins with me. I'm the one that allows this. At some point, a few weeks ago, I don't know what happened, but I allowed worry to enter my mind. And the battlefield we know is between our ears. We know that. That's the battlefield. And so for worry in the noun uh, form, it's a state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. So we don't always worry about what's going on right now. Sometimes we're worrying about stuff that hadn't even happened and probably never will. Mental stress from concern, usually from something impending or anticipated. We think about problems or unpleasant things that might happen in a way that makes us feel unhappy or frightened. If you're in worry, to torment oneself with or suffer from disturbing thoughts. That's from dictionary.com. To torment oneself. We'd hate to think that we were doing that. The difference between care and concern and worry and anxiety. This has always been something that interested me because, you know, as Christians, we can be concerned and we're worrying our heads off. You know, we say we're just concerned. But there is a true concern that was in the Bible. It's the Greek word, merimneo, and it means appropriate care or concern. And Jesus, the, the reason we know that we're all touched by worry is because Jesus talked about it through the whole Bible. Don't worry. Do not be anxious. He told us over and over, don't do that, because he knew we would do that. But this word actually means, in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. it's talking about where uh, Paul says he has a concern or a care for all of the churches. That's, that's legitimate. That's good. We are to care and be concerned for one another and for our church. In 1 Corinthians 12, 25, or 12, 23, it says concern for each other. And we have a legitimate concern for each other. If I see one of my friends hurting or going through something, I have legitimate concern for them. But there's then another word where there's another slot where worry and anxiety is. And that's the word, Greek word merizo. And it means to divide, to draw in different directions, to distract or an anxious care. So you've got caring, concern that's good, and then you've got anxious caring that's not so good. That's worry and anxiety and panic and all that that goes with it. 1 Peter 4, 4 4-9 says, Cast all your anxiety on him 
we have to learn to do that. It's, it's not always easy to do that. In this book, uh, I was looking through some stuff, looking up things, and um, there's this man, his name is Timothy Lane, and he wrote a book called Living Without Worry. And I kind of chuckled when I read the title. I was like, yeah, right. Um, but really, God wants us to live without worry and anxiety. But he knows that we will because we're in a broken and fallen world. And Timothy Lane said, According to Scripture, at the heart of worry is an intense struggle to rest upon God's care and power in the midst of a broken and unstable world. What happens when you shift priorities and allegiances from God and his kingdom to your own? You begin to place your hopes and confidences in something unstable. As a result, you become unstable and begin to focus obsessively on things that can be taken away, which is fleeting. And to me, all that says is that we have an innate desire to please God. I was thinking the other day, I was sharing with a friend, I said, you know, I said, for all the hurt and the pain and the loss that I've experienced and a lot of you have experienced, we still have a desire to serve God. You know, there are people that they don't really have a desire to serve God. They're just here for the moment, you know, and probably they don't worry a whole lot. Where we worry is because we're thinking, am I doing what's right? Is this what God wants me to do? God, I want to please you. I want to have faith. And a lot of times I feel like I'm not. I feel like I got tested and I failed because I didn't have enough faith. But in my heart of hearts, since I was eight years old, even before that, I gave my heart to the Lord at eight. I have always, always, always wanted to serve him. And I've always wanted to do what was right to a point of I was into so much performance when I was a kid of like, oh my gosh, everything had to be so perfect that it kind of messed me up. And so I've had to learn God's grace, God's mercy, and how to walk in faith where I am. Not everybody's at the same faith place. And, you know, it's, it's times that our faith gets tested when we go through stuff like this. There are emotions associated with care and concern and worry and anxiety. And I want you to see the difference in the, in the emotions. These are the emotions that you're going to feel if you have true care and concern for someone. You're going to be thoughtful, which is going to drive you to prayer. You're going to be prayerful about it. If you have a friend that's going through something, you are going to be thoughtful and prayerful. I have a friend that, she's one of my widow friends. She's in her 70s, and last Sunday she was teaching Sunday school, and in the middle of her Sunday school lesson, she had a, a, a mini stroke, and I'm very concerned about her. I'm choosing, because of what I'm learning, not to get into anxiety and panic. She doesn't need me to be that way. But I am very concerned about her, and I've taken her before the Lord many times since I heard that. So I have prayerfulness toward her. I have mindfulness. She's on my mind. She's, she's in my heart and on my mind. And there's a safely precautiousness that we can have. You know, you can be concerned that your children don't uh, run out into the road or don't, you know, whatever, at school that they, you know, don't get bullied or you can have a concern about that, but a safely precautious one. Um, I was reminded, um, I went to, on a trip to uh, visit the Steps of Paul, and it was a cruise. I went with some friends uh, that were all homeschoolers and pastors and stuff, and so one of the places we were going to stop was, tar uh, was Turkey, and, you know, we've had our missionary here several times from Turkey, and I was just thinking, mm-mm, 
I'm staying on the ship. I ain't getting off in Turkey. And I told a whole group, you know, and they're like, okay, stay on the ship, you know. Well, that day I went around and nobody was not going. So I'm going to be on the ship by myself. Well, that didn't come for me either. So I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to go. And I got off and I'm telling you, it was the most wonderful day. The most wonderful day. It's like I could feel how Paul felt when he stood. You could talk in those, those uh, grandstands outside where he used to preach. You could talk normally and it would carry way up high. It was amazing. And all of the ruins that are there, it was just like I could just feel the Bible coming alive in me. I would have missed all that if, because I stayed in fear and panic and I was worried about it. But I, it's okay to have a safely precautiousness. I didn't do anything stupid when I got off the boat, you know, but you have to be careful when you can have a safe precaution when you're leaving uh, for another country. First of all, you keep your passport with you at all times. Don't lose your passport. I've heard so many stories about that. Um, and you can have, you're going to be caring and loving and peaceful. That's how you know you have care and concern for someone. You're, you're upset about it. You're sad for them. You're hurting for them. But yet, it's peaceful. You can still feel the peace of God in it. Now, this is where worry and anxiety gets to be inappropriate. This is where we cross over. Um, these are the, some of the emotions. Now, if you're having any of these, these emotions, you can know already. This is, this is like a, a list for me now to check off. If I'm feeling any of this, I've left care and concern, and I've jumped over into worry. And the wolves are worrier at, at my heels, nipping at me. These are some words, fearful, anxious, of course, dreadful, feeling like there's dread, uncertain, like, God, what are you doing? Is this all there is? Have you ever said that? I mean, I'm a Christian for all these years, and I'm like, God, is this all there is? What do you, you know, I can get to that point where I'm thinking, what is this all about? You know, you lose your way in your mind. Agitated, annoyed, you ever get annoyed at work, like, if, you know, just... It's past worry and anxiety. You're just plumb mad. But you can be perplexed. Sometimes you get trembly and shaky, bothered, nervous, agony, despair, brooding, upset, vexed, harassed, plagued, irritated, tormented. The Bible says that fear has torment. You know you're, you know you're walking in fear when you, have, you feel tormented in your mind. Hounded, apprehensive, dis distressed and tense so if all of those or any of those things are going on you know you've crossed over that bridge um i was thinking about a um um well i'll skip that i was thinking about a story but i'll skip that there are some old english and middle english uh, definitions of worry this is like way way long time ago and i just want to share with you what what it meant in those days. The Old English defines worry as to strangle or to choke. The Middle English defines worry as to slay, kill, or injure by biting and shaking the throat. Can you imagine? That's what it meant. The term was used in the 1550s regarding dogs or wolves attacking sheep. The Old English word altseer means lying awake before dawn and worrying. That was a long time ago. And one of the definitions of worry refers to a dog worrying a bone. You ever seen a dog take a bone and just, you know, just 
shake his head back and forth. And a long time ago, they used the word, he's worrying that bone. All of these references from long years ago refer to the same things we deal with today. They just explained it from terms of their day. And the Bible also refers to sheep being attacked by wolves and needing a shepherd to protect them. Now, if you think about it, if you've ever had an anxiety attack or a panic attack or anything like that, where do you get hives? And where do you start feeling like your throat's closing up? That is the devil big time. You've crossed over from care and concern in this situation to worry and fretfulness. And guess what? Now it's become a sin. And you know what the Lord spoke to me about? I've been in counseling often known for years. And I thought, I tell people, I have anxiety. You know, big deal. People have anxiety. I never felt anything about it. That was a diagnosis. I have anxiety. That's why I do these crazy things. I have anxiety. But the Lord spoke to me and he said, that's a diagnosis. That's not what I said. And I had to stop and think about that. Oh my goodness, I've been dumping everything. Well, I have anxiety, that's why I did that. I have anxiety, that's why I don't want to do that. And the Lord was speaking to me saying, this is not what I want for you, but you've been laying it off to anxiety. He said, I want you to come back to the care and concern and the peace and stop being anxious about things that have not even happened. They may never happen. If it's like one of my counselors said, if you're going to what if it, you got to what if it to the end. But you know what the Lord showed me is where you get to wherever you're afraid you're going to get. If you were to get to that place, God didn't leave you. He's already there. He's already made provision. So we don't have anything to fear. We don't have anything to worry about. But we do because we're human and we have um, the, the struggles because of our world. So practically speaking, how to deal with worry and anxiety. The first thing we want to do is confess it. First John 1 John 1.9 says if we confess our sins, and all that means is to agree with God. Lord, I have crossed over in, into anxiety, and I'm sorry. I know that's not what you want for me, and I'm agreeing with you, and I'm confessing it before you. And then he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you know what that spoke to me was all the other stuff that comes with it. Anxiety carries a bunch of stuff with it. And we can become anxious about the situation in the world. We can become anxious about our finances. You know what? Finances might not be your problem. You might have overcome that years ago. Or you may be worried about sickness or illness. And other people might say, you don't really worry about that. Everybody has their own things that they worry about and that they stress about. And so we, God needs us to open our mouths and share with other people. He needs us to do that. Because that's how we help other people get set free. That's the deal. Instantly, when our sins are forgiven, they are removed as far. Somebody needs to hear this. They are removed as far from you as the east to the west. And your heavenly father does not remember that sin anymore. I don't care how you were raised and how you think you're supposed to keep bringing that up and, and, you know, asking forgiveness over and over and over and over. When you ask one time, it is done. God's not hard of hearing. He heard it the first time. And he has made it to where you will never, ever have to deal with that if you don't want to. Now, what happens sometimes is we get kind of weak or we get kind of carnal, and then that's when stuff happens. That's when we begin to worry about what we did or whatever. The second thing we need to do is to put it in its place. 
We need to put anxiety in its place. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, casting down imaginations. Now, if I'm worried about what's going to happen next month, where is that? That's an imagination. I'm not dealing with the fact. No, anything, any such thing is going to happen. But if the enemy is trying to make me think that, then I've got to deal with it. And I've got to put it in its place. And what the Bible says to do is to cast it down and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, because God knows what's going to happen on that day. The enemy does not. He doesn't have foreknowledge. He doesn't know, so he's making you think that might happen. God, bring it unto the, um, the knowledge of God, have it bow to the knowledge of God, and bring every, into captivity, every thought, every thought, the first time you had worry or anxiety, it was a thought. It was right in between your ears. And someone can say something to you, and you can take that and just internalize it, and you can start acting like that. Like they said I was this, or they, they said I was that. No, you're who God made you, and you're who he wants you to be. Other people have no place in who God made you. Do you understand? It's, it's between you and him. And what we do is we listen to people and we let them say, well, you shouldn't do that. Or, oh, I would never go overseas. I would never. Oh, my goodness. Why'd you do that? You know, people have opinions all day long. But what we have to do is we have to find a place where we can get quiet before the Lord. One of the things that the enemy wants to do is to isolate you. If you are struggling with anxiety or worry or fear or anything like that, or worried about the past or worried about the future, he wants to isolate you. And you know how he does that? When you look around, if you're, if you're in this mode, you look around, you're thinking, you look on Facebook, you see people walking, you think, everybody's got it together. They're not dealing with this. They're not freaking out. What's wrong with me? That's what we think. And the devil, he loves it. He says, I've isolated them. So you go home and you take a nap, a long nap, lots of naps, you know, because you're running from it. Or you want to just just hide away from family and friends. You start saying, no, I don't want to go, or no, I'm not really, I can't do that today, or no, I'm not, I'm not feeling that good, I don't want to do that. You're isolating yourself from people who need to help you. God's going to bring people into your life that have been through this. I have several friends that are counselors or studied to be counselors, and that I listen to them. They help me. Because you know what? We were made in the body of Christ to help one another. But what we've done through the years is we've decided we'd rather be quiet and not, you know, share our stuff. And I'm not saying you need to bring all your dirty laundry into the church. That's not what it's about. But there is a healthy way to say, you know what? I'm really struggling with this and I need help. And I need you to help me. I need you to pray for me. And that's what we're here for. The next thing that he does is he totally lies to you, totally out and out lies to you. It's not even about isolation anymore. It's not even about that. It's all he wants to do is lie to you. And the difference, the way that you can tell that you're going to have victory over this thing is that when you look around, you begin to see not that everybody's got it all together and you don't. You begin to look around and say, I sense that in that person. I'm going to pray for them. And people will start being drawn to you and attracted to you and say, you know, I'm struggling with anxiety and I've never had this before. I had a panic attack, you know, and I'm like, oh, girl, let's talk. I've been there. Let me tell you how to, how to start getting over this. Because you know what? 
it's like Molly used to say, if you don't touch it, you won't ever have to deal with it. So if you could be stopped from having anxiety attacks at the upfront, that would be great, you know, because you never have to deal with that again. That's not what God wants for us. The enemy does. Something to remember, when you are in the midst of your worry, you're not going to be able to see clearly what God's wanting for you. We are told in Romans 12, too, to renew our minds. You know, we start listening to the things in the world. We see stuff. We hear stuff. And it gets old. We need to renew. You know, when you renew your mind, you constantly, God's speaking to you all the time. He's talking to you about what he wants to <coughs> excuse me, do in your life and what he wants to, to share with you. The biggest thing that God wants you to do and to overcome is listening to people with negativity. You're going to have to surround your people, yourself with people who love you and who want the best for you and who want to encourage you to walk in faith. I bought this plaque. It says, walk, in, walk by faith. And I put it up going up my stairs, <laughs> walk by faith. But it reminds me to walk by faith. Stop walking by sight. I know better than that. You know better than that. But we do it when we get discouraged or we get wounded or we get hurt. And that's what happens. Learn to take many breaks from the world. This came out of Jesus Calling. Finding a place to be still in his presence and to listen to his voice. How many times do we just like, we're running amok. We've got a thousand things going. Burning the candle at both ends. We're exhausted. We're grumpy. And it's like the Lord is just, he's trying to talk to us. And we're running like rats. You know, he's just trying to, to grab us and go, hey, let, let me talk to you a minute. And you know what? Sometimes I am like whining to the Lord. I'm crying out, oh God, why this, why that? I'm, I'm so sad. I'm so hurt, blah, blah, whatever, whatever's going on. And he just has to wait till I shut up. You can't hear the Lord speak while you're talking and whining. Yes, he wants to hear your requests. We're supposed to bring those to him. But then we need to be quiet enough to hear him. And I want to challenge you to do this. I've been trying to do this at work. It's like everybody gets a break of some sort, hopefully. If nothing else, you get a lunch break. But I've decided that when I begin to feel worrisome or nervous or something is, the devil's attacking me with something, that I will go, we have a conference room, and I will go into the conference room and shut the door. And I'll stay in there for maybe like three minutes and I stay there and ask for God to fill me with his peace. And you know what it does? It brings everything in your life into focus. Now you're not worried about everything around you because, you know, half of it or more, we can't do anything about it. We just need God to help us get through it. You know, we need God to help us get through it, to walk through it. And there are people at your job and people in your family you know what? They're waiting to see how you handle stuff. Not in a bad way. They're looking to you for help. And, you know, it's like, um, I, want, I wanted to say this. So I skipped the slide. I can't see. But anyway, <laughs> but the, one of the things that I wanted to share is that one reason that we don't step out in our destiny and what God's called us to do, which may be ministering at your job. It may be ministering in your neighborhood. It may be sharing with people things that you've come over and come through, whatever that is, it may be cooking, whatever. God has you here for a purpose, a purpose, and he wants you to walk in it. And what the devil does is he says, you know, you messed up last week. You can't teach this week. 
And we look around and we're like, well, they didn't mess up. You don't know if they messed up. You don't know. So I want to ask you something. If we have to have it all together before we can share what God's doing in our life and encourage people to walk in faith, then what do we do with David? What do we do with Peter, who couldn't keep his mouth shut and lied over and over? Think about it. He preached one of the most powerful sermons to the most huge amount of people after this stuff had happened with him. We are all people. We are all just flawed people who need a Savior. And God can work miracles through you. It doesn't matter what your past is. That doesn't matter anymore. It's gone. That's not who you are. That doesn't define you. That mistake you made, that does not define you. That's not who you are. We all make mistakes and we all fail. And God wants to use us in that even broken state because you know what? That's so beautiful to him because it says in our weaknesses, he's made strong. If you, stand, if you see somebody, if I walked in here and stood up and said, hey, I got it all together. I don't know what y'all's people problem is, but you know, I got it together. That would not bring any glory to God at all. Plus it'd be a big fat lie. You know what I'm saying? And so what God wants to do is for some to see us stand up or, or be at wherever you minister and stand there and say, you know, I don't have it all together. I, I struggle sometimes on a daily basis, but you know what? I love Jesus and he loves me. And if I can help you through this, I want to. And I'll share with you my brokenness. I'll share with you where I hurt. And I'll pray with you that you never have to walk that road. And I think that's something we need to even share with our kids and grandkids. Let Grammy pray with you. Let's, let's talk about this. Let's walk through this together. This is a hard world, people. It is a hard world for kids. It's a hard world for us. It's, it's a lot of uncertainties. But God is our Father. He's never left us. He's never going to. And he is the one with all the answers. And I hope that you could hear my heart today. I just want you to know that you are going to be used with just right where you are. Right where you are. Always be open to uh, someone will come into your path. I mean, you could be at the grocery store and someone is distraught or weeping or they're mad a lot of times when they're mad and they're you know being rude or whatever they're hurting they're dying inside they're saying somebody help me it hurts and we are the church to be there for them church just doesn't happen in here church is where you go you take the lord with you everywhere you go and i just want to encourage us because somebody needs to hear this today that you need to step out. It doesn't matter what happened in the past. It doesn't matter. All that's gone. God wants you to start where you are right now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to get all cleaned up. You don't have to do any of that. Now is time. And if you don't know Jesus, now's the day of salvation. Right now. Just say, Lord, I give it all to you. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for my failures. And Lord, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to walk by faith till the day I die. And you know what? There's a real big reward waiting for us. It's heaven. But this time here, it seems so long and so hard, but it's really a short time. 
And pretty soon we're going to be with the Father, and all of this will make sense. But it doesn't now. But I just wanted to say that I really hope that if someone is struggling, I don't know why I just feel so heavy that someone is struggling and saying, I can't ever be used again. It's not true. God will use you right where you are.